club members. I'm Jen. And I'm Carrie. And this is Warhammer 40k Book Club, where we read from a crag. This is episode number 75, and our book is Sigismund, The Eternal Crusader by John French. The book is a departure from our regular, ooh, I said Warhammer 40k Book Club. Technically, this is Warhammer 30k Book Club tonight. It is a departure from our regularly scheduled reading schedule. Um, and is one of the Horus Heresy books that is one of the character focused books in which Sigismund speaks to the Remembrancer Solomon Voss to explain why he thinks there will only be war in the grim dark future. We posted, we did actually did not post several questions on our website. Given that this is one of the character focused books and it's shorter and it's Warhammer 30k, we're going to mostly just kind of let conversation naturally progress as we go through this. So, but we do encourage participation in our discussions via Twitter, YouTube, our site, or Encrypted Vox channel. Boiler warning. If you haven't yet read the book, go check out the book and then come back and check out this episode as we're going to be discussing the book from start to finish in great detail. With that, let's dive in. First off, did you like the book? It was okay. <laughs> kind of how I felt too. It's okay. Yeah, there's, it was okay. There are parts I really, really enjoyed, but it's... You know, then again, it is the character book directly following Luther. And I think a lot of these are going <laughs> to Luther set that bar really, really high. Luther set the bar really high. Um, I, you know what? Constantine did, too. Um, it. It. Like these for the first two books were such one two punches right out of the gate. Chris Rate showed us things that we didn't know. Constantine, that happened. Anyways, I was Valdor. like, do I correct her? <laughs> just... We're that close. We go by first names now. Valdor. The Valdor book was really good out of the gate, and it explained. It explained the whole Thunder Warrior thing and the whole way that it was done really showcased Valdor's character in a really nice way, right? Because the one lady thinks she's in control and then it turns out Valdor is like, oh no, friend, I've just been playing you this whole time. Like, sorry. Um, the Luther book is wild um, <laughs> the yeah. whole time. So this book- Way to go, Asriel. That's all we gotta say. <laughs> Pretty forgot much. to close the door behind you <laughs> on your way out. Forgot? Question mark. I mean, maybe he was raised in a barn. I mean, that's what my mom would have said. If I left that's the door. That's what my mom would have said too. Mm -hmm. Um, yes. So there's a whole lot going on in that book. It answers all these questions about Luther, and it really helped us understand his character. I felt better. Like, I have never been a Dark Angels fan. I have never been a Luther fan in particular. I came out of that. That was like my book of the year. It was so good. It was just, I loved it. This book, unfortunately, here's what's kind of funny about it. I went into Valdor kind of neutral. Just kind of neutral. Like, I mean, I don't, I have no real strong feelings on Valdor. And I came out of the book going, oh, you. Uh, I went into Luther, not liking Luther. I went into this book loving Sigismund. And I came out going, Yeah. Well, I mean, he's an imperial fist, so... You got me there. I mean, I didn't expect this to be wildly entertaining, because he is an imperial fist. Um, I mean, honestly, I think the most entertaining I've ever um, seen Sigismund is... In the, you know, I talked about this last weekend, uh, James Swallow's um, Flight of the Eisenstein... And it's when they rescue the group of Remembrancers and um, the Sons of Horus Equerry and uh, Garrow off of uh, off of the Eisenstein. And they're like, uh, Horus has turned against you. And Dorn is flipping his lid over it and like trying to kill them. And it's Sigismund having to hold him back, which is kind of cracked me up. And then right. probably the other time that we really see Sigismund animated um, is when uh, Abaddon comes out of the warp and it was just like, buddy, what's up? It's been a while. Can we like sit down, have a chat, tea? 
Yeah. Scene reminds me of that scene in Tales from the Borderlands. From Abaddon's perspective, he was just expecting it to be like, you're my bro, 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 bro. <laughs> like, oh man. Yes. And so I think that's one of the reasons that I always liked Sigismund. I don't like some of the... Everybody knows I have really complicated feelings on the Horus Heresy by this point. Uh, I don't like what some of the authors and some of the books have done with Sigismund, especially Sigismund and Dorne. Um, John French did seem to have more of that classic Sigismund-Dorne relationship and the classic Dor- Sigismund. I, I guess I find him a fascinating character, but from a distance... <laughs> you like the idea of Sigismund? I can like the idea of Sigismund. <laughs> like, I mean, so I think... what I really liked about this book, though, was some of his perspectives on um, mm-hmm. different factions and different characters in, in those factions. Like, I really, really enjoyed um, learning about his respect for the world eaters, which you would think would be the complete opposite of of what he would that so like was actually one of my favorite scenes so like i was one of the i didn't take very many notes because i'm a bad person but it was like on like but i did write down like from page 135 is where he's talking to boreas and boreas was like he goes because he's kind of disgusted with the world eaters from what they've become from the warhounds and he says the warhounds were warriors of a great legion this and sigismund interrupts him I do not think they have changed. I think they have become more themselves. I think we are all like them. They have not changed. They have become true. And I really, really liked that interpretation. I did too. You know, about them and how he and Karn, you know, really established this mutual respect. Like Karn was like, oh, you here to judge me? He's like, no, I'm here to understand. And, um, right. You know, he even kind of, like, explains his feelings, like, across many different factions when, you know, they get all heated with stuff. Like, he's kind of, like, the very quiet one, the quiet observer who has, like, very interesting insights into things. Like, I even had uh, Horace's kind of coronation in, into Warmaster. Uh, for me, this was, like, the first time to really kind of read anything where that takes place because like it gets mentioned but you don't uh, so far it's in the horse heresy they haven't had like a full flashback like you know when it happens mm-hmm. so when he's listing the uh factions that are there i'm kind of snickering because i'm just like wow not very many loyalists are there like right. ultramarines aren't there um uh dark angels aren't there but lion was probably actually in the lion's horse heresy primark novel he uh, mentioned why he wasn't there. He was doing other things, but um, he was busy. He was busy, but you can kind of tell he's a little bitter, even though he's just like, well, of course, Horace is going to be War Master. You know, I, I work better doing other things. Like, well, you can keep telling yourself that, sweetie. That's that's fine. Um, but yes, I mean those. Oh, and especially for me, um, when he sees Abaddon and the two are just like, "Bro, so cool to see you!" Shake hands, have a chit chat. You know, like, oh, right. They like to do that. They like to have. They do. They like to take the, um, you know, we all like because we already knew who kills who. <laughs> bickering and arguing and who killed who but in the past they make whoever killed who be best friends <laughs> of, course. of course um sanguinius and horus ferris right. and uh fulgrim you know now we got or they make abaddon sure, or they make sure to make best friends on opposite sides of the thing right they make it very clear i mean his be- his best friend was karn one of them was Karn. There's a tragedy to that, right? right? Like, and of course, I will say, so going back to something you had said earlier, my favorite scene from the whole Sigismund X Karn thing is actually, he does understand the world eaters. Later in the heresy, he doesn't necessarily approve of them, but he does, he understands them, right? And he's giving them that chance. And my favorite quote of this, and it was actually quite lovely, is the scene when it's it's Sigismund, it's the Ultramarine um, mm-hmm. 
Oh, I, know, I think I know what scene you're talking about. Esculahar yeah. and Karn. And Karn says, you will remake what remains, build different ideas in the heads of the people who, that are born after we are gone. A mirror of Ultramar and Imperial ideals. That is what this will be. Everything else plowed under. And you call us barbaric. I liked the whole... I, I liked the whole idea that Karn, in the World Eaters, like, especially before the heresy, before things go point-shaped, um, they had, they did kind of have this ideal, right? Like, okay, everybody should get to die a warrior. Everyone should get to die a centurion with their weapon in their hand and at least go down with a fight. I liked that concept. Well, I thought that was great. Well, you know, and when they were confronting that one rebel and they're like, he's not going to comply. Like, we should, we should and fight Sigismund him. And realizes that, right? He's just yeah, like, and Sigismund's no. like, yeah, he's, he's totally right. And, you know, the Ultramarine, he's like, but we're going to lose people. He's like, seriously, we're going to lose like a bunch of people to humans. Just let them die with honor. Because Karn was 100% right. Like, you let them live, it's going to fester and there's going to be another rebellion. Or you're just going to plow down their entire way of life. You're going to make a little diet Ultramar, which is what the Ultramarines do, right? Because they're space Romans. But that idea of like, look, you can't just, this is not the way that the war, that it, Karn felt that it should go, right? The world eaters are still, again, they're very much die with honor, die on your feet, right? Don't just succumb to bureaucracy. Um, I liked that whole scene and I loved the idea. And of course they always have to show that that's where Dor or where Sigismund learned to chain his weapon to his arm, right? That's why the Black Templars to this day chain their weapons to their arm. Um, I loved that. Of course, my favorite scene in the whole book, I, just, I said that was actually, I forgot my favorite scene is when he attacks Sevatar and Sevatar is like, you just attacked me from behind? Like, oh, don't tell me I have to like you. Yeah. I chortled aloud. That scene was so wonderful. But it does come to the heart of what I struggled with with this book is this book, by and large, like, look, the too long did not read. Sigismund thinks there will forever be war because he's kind of a pessimist. That's all he's known, like, literally his entire life, even as a boy. That is all he's ever known. Yeah. Like, and you I know, don't honestly, know that I need pages for that. Honestly, you know, he, I mean, he really did have the right of it. Because uh, he, cause he was even talking to Solomon Voss and he was just like, you're like, like, the, we're not gonna be able to keep our eyes on everybody. Like, people are gonna get unhappy, things are going to happen. And he's right. He's 100% right. That's why the Roman Empire fell. Too big. Right. They got too big. It's a little too big. Uh, same, same thing with, yeah. with, with the British Empire. That's why it ended up collapsing, because it just got too big. Like, you can still say, oh, there's still parts of the British Empire. Okay, whatever. But in the end, like a lot of those countries, they, they released them because there was too big. And the island, so small. And everything else too big. And, you know, um, and this, the Imperium, you could 100% argue, is way too big. Uh, My god, yes. Like, they have they have extended their reach. Even, even if the Emperor was still alive, there'd be, there would still be problems. There's just a little too much. And there is this... And it does kind of go to the heart of what was always one of the... Now... This is a double-edged sword because John French trig accidentally triggered one of my trap cards. <laughs> there is a concept within the Horus Heresy that the authors are really leaning into that I hate. But we'll get there. There was no perpetuals in this book. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair. <laughs> um, different concept that I dislike. Uh. Um that but we'll get there in a second um it does touch on one of the very interesting things about essentially why this was never going to work right is that yeah in that one little scene that i really enjoyed with karn and the ultramarines and sigismund like even as you said boreas is like you you understand these people like boreas is kind of like 
you had all these three very different legions with these three very different ideologies and three very different approaches to what this was, right? And then let's go back to the Night Lords scene, right? They show up, the Night Lords are doing as the Night Lords do. Uh, on the planet, Sigismund is unhappy with that because it's barbarism. Um, love my adorable little psychopaths. Um, but it's terrible, right? And so th this book basically was Sigismund duels everyone. But it's one of those things where it's like, when you have people like the, when the Imperial Fests, how the hell do you have them fighting on the same side as the Night Lords? Like these are such, they're not, and I understand that the idea was that like, oh, okay, or at least the, it has been posited that you would have one of each of the different legions in within a group, right? So you would have the little murder guy and the rage factory and the builder and the destroyer and the sneaky, sneaky boy and all of that. And they would all work in tandem together and that would have been really great and all that, but that's not how it was going at the time of the Horus Heresy. I guess what I'm saying is if the emperor was surprised that this didn't work, he wasn't paying attention. Surprise! Okay, I'm confused. Surprised that what didn't work? Surprised that there were so many, like, that the Primarchs and the Legions had personality issues, that they greatly disproved of one another, that they did not work together in sync. And part of that is because they ended up compartmentalizing, right? And you had the Night Lords off following Conrad Kurz, doing as the Conrad do. And you had the Imperial Fists off doing what Rogel Dorn does. They disapprove of one another. When you think about it, like obviously what Sigismund did in that scene was excellent. He was supposed to stop Sevatar. He was supposed to try to stop what the Night Lords were doing. But if you're the Night Lords, who the hell are you? And what is it? How dare you tell us how we take over a planet? Like, it's one of those things that's always very interesting to me to the Horus Heresy. It's, for, it's not beyond the Primarchs themselves, just the legions, where you look at this and you're like, how in the hell did the Emperor think these guys were going to all work? Especially when he had well, this compartmentalized as he if, did. Well, if you go to the whole, like, nature versus nurture, right? And that's my trap card about the Horus Heresy right there. We'll get there in a minute. <laughs> well, Continue. Uh, the old nature versus nurture, um, you know, if, you know, they were supposed to be, like, a certain way, but then because... So it's like, are they the way that they are because of how the emperor imprinted them or are they the way that they are because of how they grew up and you can make really good arguments for both like i am reading right now i'm reading no no fear mm -hmm. and it is actually kind of heartbreaking for me listening to no no fear and um hearing lorgar the way he is because i still have because i swear to god that lorgar primark novel like deeply affected me like yep seriously Gavthorpe, thorpe like you need to cut this out but like it deeply affected me because it just makes me so sad like where was that that sweet boy that corferon beat but he was still so sweet and nice to everybody is gone and that sucks you know the only reason why he i believe strongly believe he even tolerated erebus and corferon was because he was a sweet man and he was loving and loved everybody. And mm -hmm. Monarchia, what happened with Monarchia was just such a slap in the face when all he's ever wanted to do was just show his love for everybody. You know, mm -hmm. and it really went into like some of the problems he had with his brothers that he really wanted to connect with all of them. But some of them just did not like him. Like Ferris Manus was always very, very mean to him. Right. And... You know, Vulcan was always okay with him, um, but he he commented, you know, Vulcan liked everybody, and you know, Horus. He's like, you know, everybody loves Horus. You know, even Alpharius mentioned that in that in his Primarch novel that everybody loved, everybody loves Horus, and it's really mm -hmm. funny because even in No No Fear, when Gulliman's talking about who his closest friends are, he's he he says, uh, it's Dorn, Ferris, and Horus. And Sanguinius. Like, okay. <laughs> Everybody loves Horus. Everybody loves Space Jesus. Well, and, and Horus. Everybody loves Horus, you know. Actually, Alpharius didn't like Sanguinius because he mentioned about, like, he's too pretty for his own good. or so, It was kind of mm -hmm. a funny remark. But right. Re regardless, you know. Um, but again, it's like, you know, just 
with what happened to him it's it, who knows what could have been right if he wasn't if he was raised by the emperor if he wasn't with Corferin, would he have stayed that sweet man who knows right. and you could it's the same thing with conrad curse who knows what he could have been if he wasn't on uh was it nostra what's nostromo nostromo I was about to say Nostradamus was like, that's not right. <laughs> Nostromo. Well, that's kind of where it's based off of. I, I um, figured, but... But, so here's... Okay, this is why this is my trap card. Mm. Because you're right. I have always been that the fan of that concept, right? That, who knows? Who knows? And the Conrad Kerr's Primark novel actually handles that beautifully. And again, I know I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again in case you didn't listen to those previous episodes. Um... There is nothing, not even Guy Haley himself, will disabuse me of the notion that that is the Emperor talking to Conrad in that end scene. That is 100% the Emperor talking to Conrad. And he says, he's like, my vision for you was so much different. And like, there's this great scene in the book in which this kid tries to attack Conrad and he sees two futures, one in which he saves him and one in which he doesn't. And of course, the one in which he saves him, like, good things happen, and it's so amazing, and he, like, helps him, and he becomes this paragon of virtue, and, but then the kid just killed, like, oh, the other ones, so if he doesn't do something, the kid just kill, tries to kill him, and so, of course, Conrad believes that. He goes with the pessimistic route, because that is what is real to him, and the Emperor's like, I would have taught you how to use your precog, and, like, I would have helped you put that to good use. But, so on one hand, yeah, okay, cool, that's really, that's a really interesting concept, like, what would have happened, but... A lot of the authors right now are trying to basically say it is nature. So, like, this book even mentions it, right? That where does the Eighth Legion predominantly find their guys? Prisons, slums with gangs. Like, kind of like where Conrad is on Nostromo, picking, living amongst criminals and thieves. And Are you trying to so, say that's where they picked the Night Lords uh, pre-Conrad? Yeah, that they say that in this book because okay. remember it's the Eighth Legion that comes and finds him in the slums where he is. We have come for you. Remember, like he says, I kind of. This but I guess I missed it that they said that the original Eighth Legion, the Terrans, were also from prisons. They and went and they grabbed down through. They hinted it in this, and they've already they've established in other books that yeah. They predominate, and I think yeah, I'm pretty sure Sigismund says that to Voss in this book. I might be conflating two stories at this point, but they constantly say that yes. They went through Terran prisons. They went through Terran slums that were heavy, heavy gang populations, right? For the Eighth Legion. Which then goes down to nurture or to nature. And like they talk about how. Um, so if the Emperor really the, did have that plan. Which then comes back. Now, on one hand, I could argue that the neat thing is that I've always argued that maybe this is all in the Emperor's plan. It's horrific and terrible, but maybe it's all part of the plan. Um, and maybe he foresaw the heresy and something needed to happen for something else to happen down the road because the Emperor does tend to think in the long game, hence why he imprisoned the dragon. I am convinced he knew about the heresy. I can see literally no other reason. For I, I can so see many things happening. Point, yes. And so many things ignored. Allowed to right? happen. I would say. Not even ignored. Just allowed to happen. Allowed to happen. Um, Angron shows up one day. Half of his legion is gone. What happened? Mm. Eh, seems legit. Um, right? Like, I just, I feel like the Emperor willfully turned a blind eye so, so much. Because, again, this is the guy who imprisoned a Catan shard in Mars... Yeah, like, he has a Oh, very, is that what we've he, decided he, the Void Dragon is? I have no idea. I can't keep up. Yeah, he's a Catan. He's oh, a okay. Catan I figured it was an actual um, dragon that St. George slew. I mean, it's kind of the world I live um, in. But there's... It, it, okay, so I do like that argument, and I do love that argument and everything, but... It does make other arguments moot, and I do dislike sometimes, because I feel like on one hand there is that big argument, and I really love it, and it's a great debate, and I could have an entire TED talk on this. But 
I don't necessarily know that that's why some of the authors are doing it. Like, I don't necessarily know that they're trying to build towards that. I feel like it's more like A, A, C. You see what's going on there? They recruited from prisons? No, no, I think it's more of the, the latter, not the former. Yeah, same. I think it's more like a kind of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. See, see I what call I'm it doing the, there? I call it the George Lucas effect. Yeah. Pretty much. The I have to spell this out for you. See? 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 We knew what we were doing the whole time. See? 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 I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. A? A? Yeah. Pretty much. And um, I don't... Uh, that was like a really long-winded rant about how I don't like that concept. And every time it shows up... Like, I might have liked this book a little bit more had that, like... It's just one of those concepts, and we all have that when you and I have talked about that multiple times on this podcast. We all have those little tropes, those little concepts mm -hmm. that when they when they appear, we're like, I'm out. And yes, on one hand, it's like a throwaway line of dialogue. It's like maybe a page's worth, but it It triggered my trap card and made me very sad. <laughs> I just... Uh, that's one of the things that I struggle with. Having said that, it was interesting to me that the Eighth Legion picked him up initially. Oh. Little little ganger boy. Well, seeming ganger boy. Why? There's always, there's been a few characters here and there that have had those little moments where they're like, I don't know if I'm in the right Legion or not. Or the, well, I was almost this legion, but then I was this legion. And it's, just, <laughs> it's like the sorting hat. <laughs> kind of, yes. Um, but the, yeah, the, well, it literally was, right? When I have to assume that was Amara Stardi who's talking to him and she's like, oh, definitely seventh type. Which is really funny the way she was talking about it so clinically, right? Like, oh, seventh type, fourth type. No, trust me, that one's seventh type. But I liked when they were like, are you sure? Mm-hmm, I'm sure. Um, but... The idea of Sigismund almost being a night lord? Well, I'm guessing that's just because of where he came from. Probably, yes. But had they just been like, well, 8th Legion picked him up. He's 8th Legion. There's a good what if. Nobody tell Marvel. They'll write an entire series about it. <clears throat> I'm a bitter ex-Marvel fan. I'm sorry. Well, it's okay. But Karen Gillan's series on Marnius Calgar was pretty good, so... It was pretty good. So it could be like that. It could be like that. Um, But there were just... I mean, there were some little little flavor pieces here and there. Um, What did you think of the overall format of it being that dialogue between him and the Remembrancer? Overdone. <laughs> Agreed. Um, and it's probably, you know, because I am reading, I am reading the Horus Heresy, so there is a lot, although I'm kind of like past the Remembrance or phase. Um, it's just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, just, uh, yeah, I don't think there's even any Remembrancers like on Calf. I don't think you about just it. just on me? What? You know how Marvel had Phase 1, Phase 2, and Phase 3? Yeah. I feel like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the Horus Heresy arguably has Phase 1, Phase 2, and Phase 3. Phase 1 was the Remembrancer phase. Phase 2 was the Perpetual phase, which unfortunately extended off into Phase 3. But it's that was when Remembrancers were so Phase 1. <laughs> there might be more than one phase. You know, there's like 50 at this point 10 at least but Anyways. but yes like for past the remembrancer phase and remembrancers if there are any still alive <laughs> have been packed up and sent back to Terra good or luck sainted. sainted like or sainted but I mean good luck getting back there because there's some warp storms and we don't know if it's still there that's kind of fun right um, yeah so although with the timing of no no fear but there's if there are remembrancers, they're not on McCrag's honor. They're not on Calf. They may be elsewhere in Ultramar. Or maybe Reboot's like, I don't need remembrancers. I write down everything as it is. 
concern right now. <laughs> well, well, her car is trying to kill my planet. No, I'm just saying, well, before, because they were planning these ceremonies and these big feasts. It's going to be a big old party. You know, we're reconciling. Yeah. This is great. Brother Horace has the best ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he he does, Pumpkin. He he does. But I could just Oops. totally see Raboot. Like, I don't need remembrance because I write down everything as it is. Um, I'm my own remembrance. <laughs> Anyway, right. Um, Which is about to bite him in the ass, but it does in Godblight. Oh, oh, Godblight references. Yes, yes. <laughs> right, forgot. <laughs> anyway, maybe you shouldn't have written down literally everything. Well, you know. <laughs> Oh my god, I was about to make a joke and then it dawned on me it's actually accurate. <laughs> they might as well have called God Blight the book in which the historiator finds Robbie's journal. <laughs> Should have put a better lock on that journal. Well, I mean, they had a good lock on that journal. His name was, uh... Oh crap, I can't remember his name. Let me go back. Ti Why does that journal still exist? That Ti journal should have been burned in a fire. Tigurius. Oh, but we don't burn anything that the great Robbie Bobby ever wrote. I'm just saying. Anyways, continue. I don't even know where I was going with it anymore. Yeah, don't know where I'm going. Oh, so the remembrance is like, so I'm past the remembrance phase. But at the same time, I feel like I've read so much. That's this kind of back and forth, either with a remembrance or... Or, I don't know, in the case of um, the first heretic, there was a saint priest woman that Orgeltal kept confessing everything to. So it was, there was a lot of that whole back and forth. And honestly, I kind of got enough of Solomon Voss early on. Him and Euphrates Keeler both, whenever they would interview people, and it was a lot of that back and forth. Like, you know, what can you teach me? Like, where can I learn from this? Because you're so great and amazing. And yeah, that's that's how it was, but um, it's kind of over it. But I understand why they went that route if they wanted him just to kind of talk about everyone, how he feels about the other legions and everyone he's ever dueled. I guess I don't know. Right. I don't know. I guess Valdor and Luther both I felt like had a story to tell, like a one mm -hmm. story to tell. Even though Luther's took place over like a long period of time, the point of Luther's story was that he had never lied to anybody. He didn't betray anybody. And these are his mm -hmm. feelings on things. And everyone's like, right. oh, so that means we should do this. That's my favorite part. He's like, well, no, that's not what I said. Oh, but that is. Okay, we'll do that. That's not. And he's frozen again. <laughs> Going with that. <laughs> But this one didn't feel like it had like one cohesive point to mm -hmm. it, the way that Valdor and Luther did. And I think that's what's suffering from the most is that maybe. And I mean, that maybe it always was its point. That's just not mm -hmm. what I was expecting. And that's, you know, that's not exactly the fault of the author. It just goes against my personal expectations for the book. I was expecting more of, I don't know what I was expecting, just a, a cohesive story about I don't know how Sig maybe how Sigismund got to be first captain or I don't know some other s very significant like how he and Karn became BFFs and the adventures they went on together you know these like this tale of two unlikely friends you know hunting and killing with Sigismund and Karn they're gonna call that. it chain buddies I would have read the hell out of that not even gonna lie to you. Would have read. It would have been fun. I, I think Karn's a very interesting character. He is. I don't like Solomon Voss. I've always kind of felt like he was an author insert. And this book definitely made me feel that way. It, um, much like John Grammaticus is clearly Dan Abnett, Solomon Voss really felt like John French in this book. Um, and I, it felt, I don't know if you guys ever saw a movie called, or if you ever saw a movie called, um, Adaptation with 
Nicolas Cage and I think it's Meryl Streep is in that. It, it's a meta movie. It is not very good. It is about, um, oh, what is his name? Spike Jones, I think it is. It's about Spike Jones who, or Charlie Kaufman. Um, that rest of the character name, I can't think of it. Doesn't matter right now. Uh, it's about the writer of the movie. The writer of the movie adaptation was challenged with writing a, ad a screen adaptation of a book called The Orchid Thief. And it's about this guy who goes and he hunts these rare orchids. Well, <laughs> the writer of the movie adaptation, the literal person, had so much trouble with this because it's a very dry book and he was having trouble with it. He ended up writing this movie in which Nick Cage plays twin brothers and they're struggling to write an adaptation of the book, The Orchid Thief. And it is entirely an author insert and it's super weird and it's very meta and kind of, and I kind of felt like this book was that. This felt like John French was challenged to write a book about Sigismund and he was having trouble with it. So he had Sigismund try to help guide him to a help guide him, obviously, like the concept of the character. It really felt more like a thought exercise between John French and Sigismund as a character than an actual book to me. Because I'm with you. I would That have actually makes me learned... enjoy it a little bit more, if that's true. <laughs> that's, a, that's an interesting way of create. Uh, I mean, that movie sounds weird, but kind of makes it a kind of interesting way of making a book although it doesn't mean that the book's going to be good yes charlie kaufman was the, the writer the director was spike jones i could not keep that straight for the life of me and yeah it's all about charlie kaufman having trouble writing this book and, damn it i didn't mean to make you like it even more uh well it's just th that interpretation just makes it very to me very interesting that was my whole takeaway from the book is i was like oh you didn't know where to go with this did you and i didn't and you're right. It is very much like him being like, teach me how you feel about the legions, which in some ways made it felt very akin to Luther. Because the whole thing, as you said, is Luther basically trying to give his life lessons to the various chapter mm. masters of the Dark Angels. And this kind of felt like the same thing of like, well, let me give you these life lessons. But there was no great revelation, no great understanding. I really didn't feel like I understood him any better at the end of the book like there was no no character journey no revelations no he pretty much started and stopped in the same place for me and maybe it's just because Valdor and Luther were such tough acts to follow but Valdor to be fair I think was the same there was no big revelations with him either but I think he had a better story well i mean just the just the concept of yes this is what happened to the thunder warriors and the the people were trying to figure it out mm -hmm. people were not super jazzed with the emperor right in the whole removal of the thunder warriors like there was a little bit of just like some of the it wasn't i guess not a revelation well, that was only just because she found one politics. bitter she found one bitter thunder warrior <laughs> I was like, right. like, I have the thing. I have the smoking gun that's going to revolutionize everything. Once it's like, oh, pumpkin. Oh, honey. Yeah. You have no it idea was, what's really going on here, do you? It was a very interesting, though, look at the politics post-unification, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, this, and, and, the, and how hush-hush the Adeptus Astartes were, right? The fact that everyone's like, where are all these resources and stuff going to? Mm hmm. And then the project yes, exploded, awesome. and then Astarte was like, well, that's it. Burn the whole place down. <laughs> yeah, I didn't love that part. <laughs> and Luther was just, I mean, Luther, I feel very comfortable saying Luther might be Gavthorpe's finest work. Uh, 100%. So when an author releases, like, their magnum opus, <laughs> and you have to follow that, <laughs> like, well, and like, was... could you imagine if when you two played Under a Blood Red Sky at Red Rocks, you then had to follow that act? Well, if you don't like, like you two, then. I... I'm not even going to unpack that right now. I <laughs> mentally can't handle that right now. <laughs> so, but yes. Uh, uh, 
It makes me feel bad. Well, I, don't know, I think I don't it know. doesn't help that um, the Imperial Fists are just not a very... They don't have a lot of story with them. And no. and they're kind of boring. But I think they're, they're supposed they're to be. Dry. Dry. That's that's a better way to put it. Dorn is dry. Sigismund's dry. The Imperial Fit. Like their whole... Which is why I think that, you know, their whole culture is their try. Like Josh Reynolds' take on them was just so great. Like that one Imperial Fist when that human's trying to chit chat, he was just like, oh, oh, I see what he's doing. I'm going to small talk the crap out of this guy. It's going to be great. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It's like, well, I'm going to win this. Um, Yes. That was, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess. I, I didn't hate the book. It just, I was no, expecting more. I didn't hate it either. It's just like, okay. Yeah. I just kind of was expecting more. Like, I, and you you touched on something. I would have loved to actually, I mean, we just kind of, just kind of made fun of the whole, like, oh, the tragedy. But I would have liked to have seen more of him and Karn being friends. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of his and Dorne's well, relationship. He intentionally I kept mean, that very quiet. I mock that, but, you know, one thing I really loved about the Magnus Primark novel was him, seeing him in a Perturbo's a friendship. Exactly. Even though, like, you know, you know, it, it's a, I mean, yes, it's a little ham-fisted and a little laid on thick, and especially when Perturbo's showing his retirement home plans, you know, and it's just, but it, they, uh, that's obvious you know trying to hit the emotions because you know what's what's going to happen mm-hmm. but at the same time it's kind of fan service and i kind of like it it honestly mm-hmm. it just it depends i think on the characters and you know and for us like sigismund just doesn't hit that note for us he doesn't and even though i would say like oh it would have been like i just said like it would have it would have been really cool to see a book with him and karn but let's be real Karn would have been the more interesting of the two of them. Well, right. Right. If if the book had been more about his relationship with Dorn, Dorn would have been the more interesting of the two of them. Like, I feel like whoever was a side of him, I actually was kind of hoping that this would have gone beyond the heresy and would have shown him starting the Black Templars. Basically, I, I kind of was like, you know, that. I was kind of looking at that, too. Especially because um, they have that whole dalliance into him joining the Templars. Right. Well, and you know, when uh, Luther already opened up that door for that, right? Because it starts Correct. in the heresy and it, you, you know, we get to experience 10,000 years <laughs> of in and out of stasis. And when he, mm-hmm. when he, le- when he le- walks out of the rock. Uh, mm-hmm. So question though, where does he go? Luther? Yeah. I mean, it's like, Try to escape from Alcatraz. Where do you go? <laughs> uh, the implication is he gets out. And goes where? It's not, it's, it is like yes. Alcatraz. Like, it's a rock. Like, it's, it's basically an asteroid floating in space with a tower. Where are you going? So, the second he stepped foot out of that prison, someone, somewhere was like, oh, snap. Like, the, somebody popped out of the ethos. And by the ethos, I totally mean the warp. Okay. Somebody popped out of the warp and was like, it just, it, hey, buddy. It just kind of dawned on me. It's like, you know, escape you from Alcatraz. Where do you go? Shark-infested waters? Um, what's his name? Astalon? No. The guy. <laughs> Sorry. No. No. Cypher? Yes, Cypher, thank you. The guy, the guy appears. Hmm. The guy with the sword, he appears and is like, hey, buddy, you got 10,000 years to catch it up to do. Let's ride. <laughs> Let's ride. You and me, buddy. Um, there's a whole lot of interesting stuff going on with the Dark Angels. And I thought that that was just enough to be like. But yeah, you're right. Like, like a post-heresy or like mid heresy when the black whenever the black templars form i think would have been 
very interesting too. Like, how did that happen? I mean, mm-hmm. I, we know how it happened. Gulliman's like, we're chopping down the legions, and but how was? Where did the idea come from? Like, why did Sigismund well, volunteer? Just there's questions. Right. It would have been interesting. There is. One of the key concepts that I think is interesting is that if you recall, is they they deal with this in particular in um, in the, that. Is that Black Legion? Yeah, that's Black Legion. We're Abaddon. Mm. Sees him again. Remember, he says, he's like, I knew you guys were going to be back and nobody believed me. So I would have really liked to have seen after the heresy and after they all bamf into the warp, I would have loved to have seen Sigismund being like, they're going to be back. And everyone being like, I don't think so, buddy. And him being like, nope, they're going to be back. Like, I would have loved to seen that argument. You could have done a little bit pre-heresy, but then that post-heresy of, this is not done. This is just the beginning. Like, I would have loved to have seen that. As you said, I would have loved to have seen the Templars form. I would have loved to have seen him be like, not less, not more than a thousand Marines. Um, oh, right here. See, it says right here, unless you're in Crusade. Guess what, bitches? We're always on Crusade. Because, wait for it, they're going to be back. Like, that would have been so cool to me. I would have loved to have had a deeper insight into that rather than, you know, I once dueled Sevlatar. Do you know, I once dueled Karn. Okay, buddy. <laughs> like, all of the badasses of the Horus Heresy. Yes, you dueled them all. And apparently, you didn't want to be a space marine. Well, he was kidnapped and forced to become that was, one. That was kind of all of the beginning guys. I, I'm going to be really honest. And I know that your byline says this, but um, I am so sick and tired of the I never asked for this mentality in that particular trope. I'm not a fan of And I loved Deus Ex Human Revolution. But if Adam said I never asked for this one more time, I was... To be fair, he only said it once and people just went with it. <laughs> I know. I know. I it's actually the way he said it. I saw the, oh. the voice actor at a con once and he said that he can't even say it anymore. Like if he's... That's really funny. Like he's just like, he'll say like, well, I didn't ask for that. Ah, no, 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 no. <laughs> he really changes it. He said people are just like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> That is not what I ordered, madam. Uh, right? <laughs> yeah, like, it. that was one of those things. Much like taking an arrow to the knee, the internet broke it. That's what the internet do. It is what the internet do. But it is one of those things that I just, I don't like that as a trope. Like, I'm a super soldier. I never asked for this. Yeah, but you're going to, like, live forever and you can do all these badass things. Oh, I know. Okay. I guess you wanted to stay defending people from these gangs that were just out to kill everybody. I mean, that's great. <laughs> and the, uh, you know, the traitor legions. Right, right. Yeah, those guys. <laughs> like his old BFF, Abaddon. Not his BFF, but, you know, cousin. He's one of his buddies. It was tragic, you see. Well, it's like, you know, the first captains, I think it's got to be some written unwritten rule that they all got to be friends somewhere. I mean, That's true. Ab- Abaddon, I mean, well, Erebus not first captain, but he was first chaplain. No one was going to be friends with Corferon. <laughs> Nobody was really going to be friends with Erebus unless they had bad intentions. Uh, hey, Luth- Luther was first captain. Typhus was first captain. Because remember, even... Even Luther in that book was kind of like, I don't like this guy. Mm-hmm. He liked Typhon. Mm-hmm. He did not like... <laughs> Even he was like... Uh, I don't think anybody really liked Erebus. Except for Typhon. I don't even know if he really did. I have, no, I have, no, that's not true. Abaddon really liked Erebus. They were they really got along. That was like really um, accentuated in the early Horace Heresy novels that they were... It was really good friends. Well, well in those I mean, early Horus, 
Abaddon thought they were friends. Hermes is friends with nobody. There is that. Um, Hermes is the guy with the magnifying glass over ants and everybody's ants. (laughs) Pretty much. Pretty much. He is the... He is the chaotic evil character, right? Of he just, just because he could. The uh, Q Michael Caine saying some men just want to watch the world burn. Right. Probably one of my favorite uh, lines in No, No Fear. There's lots of them, but one of them is when the word bearers get there and they're like, yeah, um, apparently Erebus is already here and he he really wants to see you. And he's like, well, he can wait. I'd rather take them all at once. They're a deplorable bunch. <laughs> Oh, dang. He's not wrong. Especially. It was a good... This book, though, was... It was a good break between... um, Because we had the super fun Assassinorum Kingmaker. We did a bunch of Imperial Guard stuff, right? And Assassinorum Kingmaker, I joked that it ended with a call to Robbie Bobby. It was very fun, though. Um, Catachan Devil didn't, right? Day of Ascension didn't. Krieg didn't. So it's time to uh, not have a voicemail to Robbie Bobby. It's time to have Bob. Bob himself. Exactly. I don't want Bob at home. I want Bob. <laughs> Which is why our next book is going to be... God, this thing's heavy. Trying to just like one-handed. <laughs> I am soft. Um, the next Donna Fire book, Throne of Light. Yes. Hey, Carrie, here's, do you want to hold up your copy? Here's my copy. It's on my Kindle. <laughs> Yours is coming. In theory. A very, very slow rowboat from England. It might be on the English Channel <laughs> right now. <laughs> Three men in a boat to say nothing of this book. There's an obscure reference for you. <laughs> God. I, uh, that's one of my favorite books of all time. Um, but yes, we're going to get into, finally, back into the Indomitus Crusade. Back with Robbie Bobby back with Guy Haley. Uh, it just dawned on us right before the podcast that the last Guy Haley book we read was in July of last year. It was our summer read when we were in Hawaii. Because nothing says beaches like plague marines. I mean, that's usually, I mean, you know, maybe it's nothing says beaches like trader marines because the year before on vacation, we read um, Fabulous Bill. So... We did. Yeah. And after all of our knocking on the Imperial Fists, I'm very excited, actually, that there's the Imperial Fists. And And the Black Templars. Be still my heart. Well, I mean, it's always, it's, you know, really, we've seen in each book how Robbie Bobby interacts with the factions now that he's back. Mm Mm-hmm. And how, and here's the thing, the thing I will say about this, is that after the last Dawn of Fire book... We can only go up from here. Oof. So cruel. That book was not good. That if I, 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 you know what? I think the reason why people hated that book, people who hated that book were most likely Space Wolves fans. If Luther was Gav Thorpe's magnum opus, the wolf time was his phone did. Oh, no. No, no, no. So you would act, you hated Ashes of Prospero. So would you actually say that's better than Wolf Time? Yes, actually, I would. That really surprises me. I would. I would have, I would go back and reread Ashes of Prospero twice before reading the Wolf Time. Well, I don't want to reread the Wolf Time. That thing was fat. I don't got time for that. I mean, like, if I could go back in time and you were like, hey, do you want to read the Wolf Time? I'll just go read Ashes of Prospero a second time. That's how much I dislike that book. Uh, from people I talk to on Twitter, I, I stand by it. I think if you were a Space Wolves fan, you didn't like it. But people I know who were not Space Wolves fans are like, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I would actually challenge people on that too. It's just, it's it could have been any Legion. When you have a chapter master pitching a fit and like, throwing his toys around the room like that i i don't like i don't like the dark angels right i can't stand that chapter i would have been equally pissed off i totally expect Azrael to throw his toys around the room see but not so childishly i i would expect him to kind of be like i don't know i don't know a little toffee 
But like, see, I know I don't like to see that. I don't like to see them behaving like children. Any of them. Because but like I said, and but it's like I said in the in in that podcast. That's kind of what I always expected out of the Space Wolves to begin. So it just kind of fulfilled it, and. You know, it's possible Gav Thorpe is not the right person to write that because I was getting the distinct impression from that and from Ashes of Prospero that he doesn't like the Space Wolves very Agreed much. 100%. So, and I think that makes it hard. You know, we can't always have, you know, because when Graham McNeil and Dan Abnett were writing The Horse Heresy, originally Dan Abnett was supposed to write A Thousand Sons and Graham McNeil was writing um, Prospero Burns. But as they were collaborating on it, they each learned that they liked the other faction so much better. And so they right. traded. And, but they were lucky that they were able to do that. You know, Gav Thorpe may not mm-hmm. have been able to do that. Yeah. Or maybe he really thinks he does like the Space Wolves. Since it's like, well, you might, but sweetie, you don't like, you don't write like you do. And that's right. fine. Like, I'm here for it because I'm not a huge Space Wolves fan, but, you know, I get it. <laughs> yeah. I just, again, I would have been, I would have been as equally disappointed had he treated any legion like that. It just seems so, we, we already had that podcast. Um, I want to go back over my feelings on that one. But I am excited to read more Gee Haley, more Bob, more Dawn of Fire, the golden figure on the throne and his chains breaking. Yeah, I'll just. Do you want to take us out from Sigismund? Swiping. Mine. That is just not as satisfying. Hold the nice pleather cover, my hands. I mean, Let's be real. Since my husband like, and I are reading this book at the same I have time, the space I'm probably for also going to be on e. I mean, it's ready right here. Space right there. Just waiting. I'll probably also end up reading it on ebook because my husband and I'll be reading it at the same time, and uh, you know that I'm not allowed to touch special editions. Do you write in your books even when you're reading them out loud? Yeah. I'll be like, oop, sorry, hold on, I gotta write something down. I have to highlight something or grab a thing. Yeah, that, that's why I have my notebook. I and my husband I can't, sits where I'm sitting. I can't And I sit in this chair book. and read this chair and read to him. And uh, when he hears the page fold, he stops, turns around. Jennifer! Holding the page. Get post-it notes, woman. Just stick that on there. No. Shows how much I love them. Yeah, never loaning you a book. But we already knew this. So we're just going ahead and just going ahead and go on out. It's getting late as it is. So you've listened to the Warhammer 30k book club episode regarding Sigismund by John French. So be sure to join us next time for Throne of Light by Guy Haley. So we'll be going back to the 40k podcast, 40k book club then. We are an unofficial book club and not affiliated with the Black Library or any of its affiliates. You can find both the vidcast and podcast on our website, wh40kbookclub.com. If you like this episode, please like, subscribe, give a review, and all those good things to the vidcast on YouTube or the podcast anywhere you get podcasts. Our site also has articles about our adventures in reading other Warhammer 40k books and short stories outside of the book club books. So please stay a while and read from a crack. And I'm still all various. Hate to tell you, but that didn't come through at all. <laughs> Aww. Fine. I found my marker statue, so make us whole. That's not 40k. What? All right. We're. This. I'm done. If you've played the Dead Space games, they are canon in 40k. Fight me. Actually, probably 20k. I can't do this. I quit. I'm out. (laughs) Good night, everybody.
episode of the Warhammer 40k book club is hosted by Jen Bozier and me. Recording and editing of both the vidcast and podcast were done by me. The book club questions and discussion format were done by Jen, and all of our music is by Jingle Punks. The Warhammer 40k book club is a Warhammer LLC production. This is a Voxcast that even he, Cato Sicarius, would approve.